Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Find the best deals on airline flights. Easy checkout with the latest and most secure payment options. Up to 5% off with a free AC Passport membership. Save more on your next vacation so you can enjoy the vacationing. The best deals on flights. Airlineconsolidator.com This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the Week in Review. It is Sunday, March 5th, 2023, here on the WWE Podcast. Four weeks. Four weeks separates us. From now until WrestleMania and WWE, their card is starting to come into focus. I'd say we've got about 75% of the matches at least confirmed or believed to be confirmed. And we have a lot to talk about tonight as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania 39. But first, I want to welcome a brand new patron to the WWE podcast family, and that's Martin Miller. Martin. Welcome, buddy. Hope you enjoy everything that's ad-free. You can join Martin and the many others that are part of the WWE Podcast ad-free family at patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. And we've got a lot to do, not just tonight, but uh, in the upcoming weeks, obviously, as we roll towards WrestleMania, I'm going to be increasing videos for those on the SmackDown tier and higher. Many more videos will be coming. They won't be long-form videos more just kind of quick hit thoughts, additional thoughts, expanding on a point I may have made during a previous show, but that'll be exclusive to those in the SmackDown tier and higher on Patreon. So another incentive, if you maybe want to see my my ugly mug, you can do that at uh, SmackDown, uh, the SmackDown tier, not on SmackDown. <laughs> the hell's wrong with me? On the SmackDown tier and higher and Patreon. So, all right, let's let's do it, guys. By the way, Apple podcast is also a great way to go ad free. Let's get into SmackDown and this. I don't know why I call it a week in review. It's just kind of like the SmackDown in review part two, because we have a great team. And this past week, Michael Ritter was not was he did the SmackDown show solo and his co-partner of John did not join him, but still did an awesome job and I encourage you to check that out. So I'm not trying to Bigfoot their their um <clears throat> their work because they do great work covering smackdown better than i could do but i just want to jump in and give my thoughts and i do heavily talk about smackdown here and don't touch a ton on raw although we will go through the highlights of raw and honestly a big show this coming week because because we've got uh john cena in boston and that likely will set up the austin theory john cena program that Honestly, we all thought it was coming months ago, and it seems to be coming to fruition with John Cena, and that's fine. You know, John Cena is a legend. I think we should all just kind of enjoy the time that we have with him, even if it's not the match we may want. It's still a match that looks likely. So we've got a big, uh, big ticket item there for tomorrow night. And uh, yeah, hey, four weeks of television that means twelve. What is it? Wait a minute. Yeah, twelve hours of Monday Night Raw to go. Yeah, I said that right. 12 hours of Monday Night Raw to go until WrestleMania. That's like sitting there for half a day from midnight until noon. That's how much content we've got coming. Of course, not including commercial breaks, but all that. So let's jump into SmackDown as uh, we had the show open up with Roman Reigns and the crowd did a uh, had a very nice pop for him. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe people just recognize that they are seeing something special. WWE's done a nice job of making it feel like a big deal when Roman's there. And they've done that by not having him on every show. He's barely on Raw 
on every other pay-per-view, on every three or four SmackDowns. It feels like a big deal. And is he an absentee champion? Kind of, yeah. I think he's defended. Somebody came up with a stat. He's defended the belt over his nearly 1,000 days about 30 times. He's not even defended the belt, but haven't had a match 30 times in 1,000 days. And uh, you know, not exactly a, uh, a, a very present champion, but that's another discussion for another day whenever that reign does end. But let's talk about SmackDown. And he got a nice reaction again in Washington, D.C., big town, obviously the capital of the United States. And uh, it felt like a big deal. It felt like a, a big SmackDown. And SmackDown has, by the way, like has certainly come to uh, come to the forefront as Raw's or WWE's top show. Yes, a lot of it has to do with the fact no world titles on Raw and a lot of the star power for the men's side is on, on Raw. Same for, same for the women, or on uh, SmackDown, rather. The uh, the men's side is very heavy star heavily star-powered with the SmackDown side for the men. And a lot of the biggest storylines are on SmackDown. You know, when Roman Reigns visits Raw, it feels like he's an he's a foreign invader. When that's the purpose of becoming a unified champion is you should be floating between two shows. But I digress. So Roman got a nice reaction, and we didn't get a, a anything really from Roman before Cody Rhodes music hit, and the crowd popped pretty big. And uh, you know, I gotta say, so far so good for Cody Rhodes and WWE. They aren't chanting Sammy when Cody's there, not yet anyway. But a, a good, a, a nice reaction for Cody. He talked to Roman and said that he wants to talk to him face-to-face, man-to-man, that he's not there for reckless negotiation, and he didn't see a reason for his compatriots to be there unless he needs them. And then Roman dismissed Heyman, Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso, and Roman asked if that made him more comfortable, and Ro- uh, Roman said Cody might not like it, but he's going to do it anyway. And he threw the title belts in front of him. He then mocked Cody and asked, so what do you want to talk about? I thought that was pretty funny. You know, that, that, that's a nice mock because I, I mean, first of all, I can't stand that phrase, but uh, I think Roman Reigns is, is really starting to become very witty on the mic, a, a skill that is not easily obtained. So Cody said, fair enough. And let's, so let's talk about you. He called out Roman's 915 day title reign and congratulated him. And then he said he wanted to touch on something about himself and said that Roman has become an impossible mountain to climb, but that's the kind of, that's kind of his thing. He then recalled people saying he'd never be anything, but Randy's understudy. He'd never survive stardust and no one would ever pay to see him and his buddies little quote indie show. Cody said that the goalposts keep moving for him and he keeps punching it through the uprights. He said Roman might be impossible, but not for him. Roman fired back and pointed out that the title belts at the title belts and asked if Cody ever won one of those or even competed in one or main events at WrestleMania. He said that he's done all that and is the most experienced WrestleMania main eventer of all time. Roman continued and said he was groomed from a young age and uh, he was he's groomed by Cody's father, Dusty Rhodes. He continued and gave respect to uh, the uh, dream and said he wasn't going to denigrate him. He said that Dusty, he did a Dusty impression and said that Roman having it, he recalled the story of Dusty's teachings and revealed that Dusty never spoke about him at all. But basically what he said was that um, while Dusty was telling Roman that he has it and he's, he's got that, if he could buy it, package it and sell it, that he'd be a millionaire, you know, because Roman has it. And that uh, the things he used to say about Cody, well, he never mentioned him at all. He, he basically said that, you know, he didn't even talk about his own son and that Roman Reigns is the surrogate son of Dusty. <clears throat> and um, he, uh, Cody twitched and he, he kind of sputtered, but he didn't have a whole lot to say. I don't know what it is about them not having, allowing Cody to really say a whole lot. They did this with the, the Paul Heyman segment a couple of weeks ago. That was actually really bad. A very rare, bad segment with Paul Heyman. And I, I was waiting. I was like, Cody's good on the mic. Why, why are we not allowing him to respond? It really stranglehold held his character in a way. And I, they kind of did that a little bit, not to the same degree, but to some degree with this, uh, with this segment here a little bit. But let's continue. And he said Heyman didn't get in his head when he was sent to Raw. 
He said, he said he sent Haman to Raw to convey the truth about the fact that one of Dream's kids is better than his actual kid. Cody said in order for him to exist, it's a necessity that he defeats Roman Reigns. He then stuck out his hand and said, may, may the better man win. Roman shook his hand and walked his way to the back. This was, you know, putting my feelings, personal feelings aside about Cody's babyface character, this is a really good segment. You know, Cody's... Does he feel does he feel like he belongs? Yeah, he kind of does. The crowd reacts nice to him. He's got a good entrance song, good entrance music, good you know all that. Uh, he's got a nice presence. Is he the biggest guy? No, but th- th- they may be looking at Cody as the guy that's going to take Roman down. Now I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. So much to talk about in, in respect to how the main event finish could go down. There's, I mean, this is going to be night two main event, which means the true main event of WrestleMania. And, uh, yeah, th- this is certainly a match that I think from a wrestling perspective only is going to be amazing. I mean, I, I expect a out of five stars. I expect a four out of five star match to expect anything higher is almost impossible. Now, how, no matter how good the guys are, you could put Ricky Steamboat in there, Ric Flair or whatever. And you know you're never going to get always a five star classic. It, those things, even as talented as men men are with each other, the chemistry they have, sometimes the matches that they have together just the magic isn't there. The chemistry isn't there that night. Whatever. So I expect a four out of five star. If it's anything higher, I'll be you know ecstatic. Um, but I have no no worries, no concerns about this match. I think it'll go 20, 25 minutes. I really do. I expect the WrestleMania main event to be very lengthy. And that's okay with me. A little little tip and trick, by the way, if you're somewhat new to wrestling, meaning in the last like couple of years, if you want to know the length of a match, at least the general ballpark of what it's going to be, see how they start the match. If the match starts, especially on pay-per-views, on pay-per-views, if you see the match start with a collar and elbow tie-up and some chain wrestling and some kind of you know mini games playing with each other mind games as, as they love to talk about all the time that means the match is going a minimum 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes or longer <clears throat> you know like that's how you know because they're they're pacing the match that's how you typically start a match if they start with power moves and wham bam and they're, they're going 100 miles an hour odds are it's a 5 to 10 minute match tops maybe less like that's how i gauge it and and no more often than not it's it's held true because when they have less time, they know that they have to get their ass, their their stuff in, and therefore they're kind of rushing, which is never really leads to a great experience to watch. But uh, that's how you know. And I, my point is though, I expect Roman and Cody at Mania to be a lengthy, well told story from a pure wrestling perspective. If you knew nothing about the actual storyline itself, if you just looked at the physicality, I expect this to be a very good match. Four out of five. <clears throat> you know, I, I wouldn't be. You know, if it turns out to be three out of five, right? Like, I'm not going to be like, oh my God, that's so disappointing. It's not easy to do, you know? Like, I'm not saying it is, but those two, the guys of this caliber, it should be a four out of five star match. You know, I'm not, I'm not expecting five out of five. You know, it's not going to be Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, right? I don't expect that. All right, moving on. Let's continue here. But uh, let's see. Th- th- this was, again, very good segment to open the show. The one thing, though, like, you know I was going to come here, and it has nothing to do with babyface Cody Rhodes. Just generally, with any time Cody Rhodes has been in WWE thus far, why does everything have to be about Dusty? Can we just focus on Cody? Why is Dusty, I mean, this better be the one and only time, well, one of the very few times left when Cody gets into a program with someone that they continue to go to his dad. Why? I know that, to be fair, Cody, when he first returned and faced Seth last year, mentioned that he's gonna he wants the WWE Championship and that he wants the belt for his dad, and that's been his mission. That was his mission statement, and he did mention his dad and the belt that his dad never won. He wants to do it for him. And then if he can't put it around the waist of the American dream, he certainly can put it around the waist of the American nightmare. If you remember that promo last year, I think it was a Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. And... It, so to be fair, I mean, he he kind of set the he set the tone for what his mission is currently, and we're still on that mission. So uh, my point is, though, I, I would like at some point in time for for uh, you know a, a the substance of a program 
to not be about a guy that's dead anymore. Like, can, can we talk about the people that are alive right now? I mean, sometimes they still talk about Eddie Guerrero, and I love Eddie Guerrero, but you know, can we stop talking about how Sasha, when Sasha Banks was there anyway, oh, that's her favorite wrestler. That's who inspired Sasha. How many times did we hear that? You know, like, you know, it's just like, I don't know. You can only go so far, and especially with Cody Rhodes, it kind of feels like you are leaning on daddy to, be, to stay relevant. And I don't think that's true, but it, the, the feel of it is, is, is as such. That's my take. And I would just want to get away from that. It would be the equivalent of Charlotte always being reminded about Rick in, in every program that she has. And for a while, that was the narrative, and I hated it. Get her out of the shadow of her dad. I mean, I understand at the beginning, you kind of have to do it because that's what people are thinking and all that. But can we move on and let them have their own career without having them live in the past? I don't know. Even if I loved Cody Rhodes as a babyface, this is just, I think, a fair point. I want Cody to get into a program that has nothing to do with or about or any kind of remote connection with his dad. Nobody mentions him. He doesn't mention him. Can we just get away? I don't know. So I'll let it go until WrestleMania. But after that, whether he wins or loses the match with Roman, I'm banning it. I'm outright banning the word Dusty or your dad or any phrase related to Dusty Rhodes from either the opponent or Cody Rhodes language. The vocabulary is banned. So just you heard it here first. Okay. We then get a Liv Morgan Rhea Ripley match. Dominic was at ringside. More, more uh, Morgan started out with some strikes. Rhea used her power, and then uh, Rhea, or rather, yes, Rhea choked Morgan on the bottom rope, landed some clubbing blows to the back of her head, and then tossed Morgan into the corner. Morgan landed a rising knee, and then sent Ripley to the floor. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entire play-by-play here. But uh, let's see. Oh, the the finale of the match was that Ripley picked up Morgan. Morgan pressed the offense and landed back to back double knee face busters. Then did a diving code breaker from the second rope for a near fall. Ripley got to her feet and Liv went for oblivion, but Rhea held on. She attempted rip tie, but Morgan slipped out and landed a kick to the face. Liv went for went up top and dove at Ripley, but was slammed to the mat for her. Her trouble and Ripley landed riptide and then applied the inverted cloverleaf for the tap out. Liv loses to Ripley in about eight minutes. And a girl was shown crying in the front row after Rhea got the victory, which was funny. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, Liv Morgan, she's kind of in the same role that she was in when she was part of the riot squad where she was just constantly doing jobs, especially before WrestleMania to put what over, put over whatever talent is actually having a match at mania. She's clearly got no path right now, but the differences between the irrelevant group of the riot squad that was completely destroyed by booking in the years past. And this Liv Morgan is that Liv Morgan has had some success. She was SmackDown women's champion. She beat Ronda Rousey twice, although in a controversial fashion, she adopted a new personality, a new confidence, and she improved in the ring. So while she's losing, she's losing competitively. You understand who and what she is. And she feels like she is relevant. Even when you know that the outcome is all, but a foregone conclusion that of course, Rhea Ripley is going to win here. So that's the difference, which is good for, you know, if you're comparing where Liv was several years ago in the Riot Squad to being a jobber to now being a jobber, but also relevant and in a um, in a respectable role, being competitive. That's the difference. So, all right, backstage, Jimmy asked, Jimmy asked about, uh, or rather, Roman asked Joe, Jimmy about Jay. I'll get it right. And he responded that he's a hothead. He needs more time. Roman said he's running out of patience, but he's not running out of patience with Jay. He's running out of patience with Jimmy. So Jimmy is now not on the ni- nice list of Roman Reigns. So, so for some reason, it's up to Jimmy to get a hold of Jay. I, Ro- Roman just apparently can't do these things. Um, so. 
that's the uh, next step there. But a video package then played of Rey Mysterio and Karrion Cross last week. But the real segment wasn't about Rey and, and uh, Karrion Cross. It was about Rey and Dominic and the aftermatch shenanigans of Rey being shoved by Dom and Dom trying to provoke his dad and demeaning his dad and dad, his dad was still refusing to strike his son. And so you knew with that, you're going to get another step in the progression of that story. And we did, but uh, Rhea and Dominic were backstage. They ran into Santos Escobar and he said that Ray should have punched Dominic in the face. And if he's mad enough, he'll meet him out in the ring. And uh, Dominic does Dominic and uh, Santos have a, I think a really good match. That's never been the problem, by the way, with Dominic. Dominic, uh, you know, in in years past when he was with the with his with his dad in the just vomit inducing chemistry that they had as a tag team, meaning it was just so just gushy and just my god awful. Like them basically having a makeout session before every match, it was just it was too much. But the match here with Santos Escobar was really good, and Santos Escobar has really also come into his own. I think. Not in a main event level way, but in a just established star kind of way where he broke out from the family, or at least the family part of this whole thing is dormant. I know he still has the Legato del Fantasma, the the, the letters and it, the, the acronym is still alive, but the family part of it's dormant. And he's trying to be, you know, they're, they're trying to f- focus a little bit on him. He was kind of he, he was the de facto leader of that family. And we may see more of that in the, moving forward. But the match was good. And having Dominic pull out the brass knucks, which caused the distraction that allowed Rhea to hit Riptide on Santos and then the frog splash by Dominic for the victory. And uh, that, I think, was a, a fun, expected outcome for Mommy to get involved. And after that, we got Dominic tearing up the mask, the uh, Ray, Ray Mysterio's mask, the, the Luchador mask. Ray's music hit to a very nice pop. I really enjoyed that pop. That you know, bigger than I expected, and then um, we had Ray uh, stare at his son. Dominic, of course, tries to tempt Ray to hit him. Ray does not, and then as Ray picks up the mask that Dominic dropped, Dominic cheap shots him, hits him in the back of the head, and they both Dominic and Rhea smile and walk away. So it's a matter of time before we get a Ray Mysterio. You know, finally he snaps right, and we've only got. A few weeks until they have to get to that. I mean, it's got to happen anytime now because WrestleMania is quickly approaching and maybe they don't actually have contact. Ray doesn't have contact until WrestleMania, maybe where he says that, you know, he's been building up this anger. He's been trying everything. He went to SmackDown. He showed up at his house on Valentine or uh, on Christmas, the Valentine's Day thing, Thanksgiving. He's done everything to try to avoid this confrontation with his son. But son, you've left me with no choice. You know, uh, mommy may protect you, but daddy's coming to punish you. All right. Boy, that sounded a little suggestive. <laughs> oh, God, this is a PG show. This is a PG show. Um, but do you know what I mean in a PG context? OK, those of you out there probably I know. Um, but that's how they could go about it. Right. Like Ray Mysterio could just he, he's going to matter of fact, say you son, you've left me with no choice. And. You know, I think the match at Mania between these two is going to be really fun. The the the, uh, the whole build has been nice. I would like them to talk about the whole custody case that they did, the custody match with Eddie Guerrero back in 05 or 04 on SmackDown, 17, 19, whatever year, how many years ago, to, to call that back. And those that were watching it then would go, oh, my God, that's right. And those that didn't would go, really? Oh, my God, this goes back this far? Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, like they I don't know how they're not recalling that. Or bring back Vicky Guerrero. I, I really think that Vicky could add something to this if they if they wanted to. But I don't know what uh, the, the contract status is of Vicky Guerrero, if she's interested or whatever. Maybe no one's thought of it. But I digress. The fact is, these two are going to have a really good match at Mania. My concern maybe is that they aren't going to lay stuff in, though, you know, like that maybe because of the actual real relationship with them and how emotional it's going to be that the fact that my God, I'm facing my son at mania and my, from Dom's perspective, it's like, wow, I'm having a match with my dad at WrestleMania. That's, that's like a dream come true for, for really both perspectives. It's kind of cool when you think about it. And um, so they may not lay their stuff in because of fear of hurting one another, but I, the storyline is going to be great. I mean, it, and it has been really good. 
So uh, Ray, I think, is finally going to snap, and it's coming soon. All right, let's take a quick break for the sponsor of this uh, episode tonight, and then we'll be back with much more on SmackDown. Find the best deals on airline flights. Easy checkout with the latest and most secure payment options. Up to 5% off with a free AC Passport membership. Save more on your next vacation so you can enjoy the vacationing. The best deals on flights. AirlineConsolidator.com All right, let's get to a little bit more of SmackDown. And after the whole Dominic Ray segment, we got uh, a video of Sami Zayn walking through the concourse, yelling about Solo and ending the bloodline. And then Drew McIntyre made his entrance. And I I think that, um, you know, the, the entrance from McIntyre, this may be the most relevant McIntyre has been in like six months. McIntyre has certainly taken a backseat to all the other things going on, which... Yeah, it's the cycle of wrestling. You know, you you get your chance to shine, you make the most of it, and then you kind of, usually, unless you're super, super hot, white hot all the time, you kind of take a back seat, and eventually you'll maybe circle back around if you're lucky enough. And I think that's where Drew is at, where he had his moment to shine at Clash of the Castle. Ever since then, he's just been, you know, not not irrelevant, but in this kind of weird little duo with Sheamus where they talk about banger after banger, and they... You know, they're real life friends, so that's fun. And um, they find common ground and Seamus is officially a baby face. Like it's, it hasn't been ridiculously bad. It's been okay. But, you know, if you're looking for McIntyre to be in the main event that, you know, since Clash of the Castle, it hasn't been anywhere near that. So McIntyre talked about how it's been, it's four weeks till WrestleMania and he doesn't have a match. And he called out Gunther by name. And he's, uh, we immediately had Seamus come out and he accused McIntyre of going behind his back. And he explained that McIntyre knows nobody, he knows more than anybody that he wanted Gunther at WrestleMania and he's always wanted the IC championship. McIntyre told Seamus that he doesn't need his permission because he's not his parent. And that he, but Seamus said that, yeah, I'm not your parent, but you, uh, if you're going to consider me a brother, then you're backstabbing me. You're backstabbing, uh, you know what? So we then got LA Knight. The crowd popped pretty big, and I really was encouraged by this. For a guy that hasn't won a match yet since coming up as LA Knight, I am very surprised, but that is a credit to LA Knight himself. With the bad creative he's been given, especially with the Bray Wyatt gobbledygook, and losing the match on SmackDown last week to Kofi, this is a testament to LA Knight and his mic work and his presence. Everything. And he has it. Whatever LA Knight has, and that that they talk about that it thing, that he has that. That that thing that we could, you know, if anybody could bottle up and sell, they'd be a gazillionaire. That's what LA Knight has. And that's how you overcome bad booking. And bad booking when you're losing. Think about that. Bad booking, bad booking, and when you're losing and you're still able to continue to rise is a testament to the talent, not to creative. That's where you can say creative has nothing to do with this. Sure, they're the ones that actually put them out there. I mean, there's, they really aren't just having free will to do whatever they want, of course, but uh, let me put it this way. It's 90% the talent and 10% the, uh, the, the creative because... LA Knight right now getting that reaction, and I think it's deserved. People recognize talent. People recognize when they have the, a wrestler has it, and LA Knight has it. But uh, my God, he is a future world champion. Absolutely. So huge LA Knight fan, and he talked trash about wanting a match at WrestleMania while uh, to the ring while Sheamus and McIntyre were essentially ignoring him. And then we got L- the uh, New Day. <sighs> coming out and uh, boy talk about a complete polar opposite um, just temperament from LA Knight being serious and you know actually feeling legit to just these clowns of course but the new day come out and Kofi said LA Knight has been uh, pouting about wanting matches at Mania and he can't even win matches on Smackdown by the way Kofi you don't have a path to WrestleMania either. And at least LA Knight is trying to create one while you just try to step on the work of others and that you are in, you're, you're trying to childly 
childlike mock L.A. Knight. But hey, what, what do I know? So we got Karrion Cross coming out after that and L.A. Knight attacking Kofi from behind, which is always fun to see. And then clearing Woods from the ring. Sheamus cleared L.A. Knight from the ring. And then he and McIntyre had a stare down. And then Drew decided to dive on everybody because that's what we do now. And then Cross attacked Sheamus and stood tall. So first of all, Karrion Cross, don't shave your face. All right. Karrion Cross looks exponentially better with a beard. So just uh, food for thought. That's the most important part of this segment. But having Karrion Cross come out, imagine a Karrion Cross LA Knight program on the main roster. I know they're both heels, but people would side with LA Knight on that one. The promos would be fun, wouldn't they? LA Knight and Karrion Cross. That would be fun. So, I mean, eventually we'll get there. I don't think it's anywhere in the near future, but food for thought there. So good segment. You knew it's setting up for a multi-person match of some sort. And I was hoping it wasn't going to be a five way, you know, uh, fatal five, fatal six way <laughs> elimination match for the IC belt at WrestleMania, because I don't think that does Gunther any favors. And I don't like multi-person matches for titles at Mania, but you know, we, we did get a fatal five way out of this announced for next week. I think it is. And the winner is in title contention for the IC championship. So, I don't know what that means because isn't everyone automatically in, in you know in the uh, title contention because all you have to do is just challenge the t- champion and then you you just automatically get a title shot. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but anyway, Cole and Barrett plug the NXT Roadblock event, and let's see, we got a brawl shown backstage between Ronda, Shayna, and Tegan Knox, and Ronda apparently suffered an arm injury. Baszler had to be separated from Knox, so. Uh, then we got Tegan Knox versus Shayna Baszler. Knox, um, but by the way, we again didn't get Shayna Baszler's music. Apparently, Shayna Baszler doesn't have any entrance music anymore. It is all Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I just don't get it. I mean, I do, I do get it. I understand why Ronda Rousey's music. She's the bigger star. The music is more recognizable. Blah blah blah. But it's just disrespectful. I mean, there's no other way about it. So. They're not in a tag team match. Shane is in a singles match accompanied by Ronda. Anyway, Knox came out of the gate, landed some quick strikes. Baszler took over quickly. Baszler eventually landed a huge knee and applied the cross arm bar and Tegan Knox lost at two minutes. So Shane Baszler gets the victory. And then uh, Tegan screamed after the match that she thought her arm was broken. So another snapped arm apparently by Shayna, And that's the Shane Baszler I like. When Shayna Baszler's all business, not trying to be jokey and, and funny, that's the Shayna Baszler that's the best, is the one that snaps arms. That's the one I love. And this is the, the version we got this past week anyway. So uh, backstage, Caleb Braxton then interviewed Gunther, and he called it an absolute disgrace and a lack of leadership that he doesn't have anyone worthy to challenge at Mania, and then he needed to battle the cement, uh, to cement his legacy of the being the ring general and the intercontinental champion and to claim his place on the grandest stage of them all. So I love that. Gunther, that's a perfect way to describe some of those people in the uh, that, that little segment is just disgrace. And I think you know who I'm talking about. But I love Gunther. Gunther is exactly everything that I love about pro wrestling today. Serious. He looks the part. My God, does he look the part. He's excellent in the ring. Big, thick guy. Not cut, but thick. Looks like a legit badass and cuts decent promos. He is, you know, there's room for improvement on his promos. Sure. They've been fine, though. And I think he is, a again, a future world champion. Man, when you look at the next generation of who could take over over the next you know, five years, you've got Gunther. You've got L.A. Knight. You've got Karrion Cross. You know, like you look at some of these guys, the, the future is pretty bright on, on in WWE. All right. Let's see. We got, let's see, a footage of Bray Wyatt's music, a muscle man dance shown from Raw. And, you know, Bobby came out and uh, he said he wasn't going to play little kid games like the muscle man dance. 
And he said that where he comes from, it's a sign of weakness because when you have a problem with someone, you come and see them to their face. And he then demanded Wyatt to come to the ring and see him. Bray, of course, well, I shouldn't say of course he didn't, but Uncle Howdy attacked Bobby from behind. And then Bobby uh, delivered a spine buster to Howdy. He was about to set up for the spear, but the lights went out. And then uh, when the lights came back on, Uncle Howdy was gone. So, yeah, Bray Wyatt is no longer or nowhere to be found. And we've got a, a just a, it's kind of a wacky hocus pocus segment again with no Bray Wyatt. I'm sure we'll get some cryptic video that we're all supposed to decode. And, uh, you know, that'll be on raw or something, but I don't know. It, the crowd did seem to genuinely be excited to see Bobby. That was, that was a good thing. Bobby got a good reaction because it was unexpected. I think that's mostly why he got the reaction he did. And seeing, uh, seeing uncle howdy, kind of neutral at this point i don't i don't love it i don't hate it it's just there and i'm still open to wanting to like it but it hasn't been exactly a inspiring story for me because it's just too much all over the place but uncle howdy getting his ass kicked is fun to watch i don't know why because i'm just maybe it's it's me living vicariously through bobby at the frustration of the storyline just flattening uh, uncle howdy was just fun because that was how i feel about the storyline at least because of just it's chaotic it's chaoticness it's lack of direction is my biggest problem but all right let's see we then got another backstage segment with jimmy and he spoke to his brother he said uh or jimmy said that he did and he said that um jay told roman to leave him the hell alone that did not sit well with the tribal chief and Rain said that this didn't start happening until Sammy came around. He then explained that Sammy introduced all this selfishness into Jay. And if Jimmy can take care of Sammy, uh, then Jay would come home. He told Jimmy to go to the ring and take care of uh, Sammy for the family. Jimmy walked off and then Heyman told Roman that was great. Roman continued to look upset and told Heyman that Jay was, you know, or that Jay has one week. And after that, he's going to start blaming Jimmy instead of Sammy. So that, uh, that, that, that tells you that the bloodline is seemingly about to completely disintegrate. I wouldn't go so far yet. I think that's a kind of bring them to the verge and then it's all a ploy, right? It, it may be one of those, if you remember WrestleMania 2000, when all the McMahons seemingly were at odds, but at the end they were all in cahoots. Could be one of those. But nonetheless, Jay Uso right now, this is one of those that I don't know if I would do that because Jay Uso, when he shows up, he gets a massive reaction positively. So to kill that with bringing him back heel would pour cold water on something that is doesn't happen often. I don't think Jay Uso was meant to be this big of a star. Sammy, I think certainly wasn't. And Jey Uso is, is is that wild card that the one react the one wild card that we got at the Rumble when Sammy finally snapped on Roman was Jey Uso that no one saw coming was he just left the bloodline didn't know what to do and he's been in kind of conflict ever since and we don't know his story but Jay when he does show up gets a big reaction so that should tell you something I think he's in the the running for being a candidate to take the belt off of Roman. So let me get the main event. And oh, by the way, next week, there's a that five way qualifying match for a shot at the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania. But next week, also, we're going to get Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Viking Raiders. So Sami Zayn and Sol Sokoa main evented Monday night or Monday night uh, Smackdown on uh, Friday. Good pr- uh, match here. And we got um, no Kevin Owens, which surprised me. I thought Kevin was going to come to Sammy's aid, and he didn't, which, given everything that Kevin said, makes sense. But Solo beat Sammy because the finish was that Sammy climbed up to the top rope, landed a flying forearm, and then Sammy managed to land a blue thunderbomb. Jimmy saved Solo from the Haluva kick, and then Solo hit the Samoan spike. Pretty simple. And after the match, Jolo... Uh, Jolo. <laughs> Jimmy and Solo continue to assault Sammy and then uh, Solo retrieved a chair from the ringside area and wrapped it around Sammy's head. Solo lined up for another running uh, attack, but Jimmy stopped him. And the hesitation that 
happened allowed Zayn to recover and throw the chair at Solo and then hit the haluva kick on Jimmy. And um, Solo, uh, or Sammy, escaped into the crowd. And he was about to hit Jimmy with the chair. I love how they're not even allowing Sammy to get any, you know, significant offense yet. And the mission of Sammy obviously mirrors exactly the mission statement of Kevin that they want to take down the bloodline. So, of course, those two are eventually going to team up officially and they'll have the hug and all that and the crowd will cheer. But they're not even allowing us to get the payoff of hearing having Sammy, you know, be able to lay into Jimmy or Solo with a chair, like like lay into him, hit those chair shots that you want to see. The Haluva kicks nice. But I want to see the steel chair. I want to see Sammy get that violent revenge. And they're still not allowing us to do that. And I'm, that's not a complaint. That's a, that's a, oh, I want to see that. It's the, it's the, it's the anxious frustration, but also the anticipation. I can't describe it. It's like, oh, I want to see that. I would pay to see that. That's how I want to feel. And that's a nice thing. So again, nothing massive to end the show. They've again, SmackDown's got 10 hours of uh, no eight hours of content to, uh, to to still crank out before WrestleMania. So a lot of television time to go. But a solid again, solid SmackDown. I mean, how often are we seeing bad SmackDowns? They just don't happen. I don't even know the last time I went and came out of SmackDown and said, "Woof, that was awful. <laughs> I just I don't know. SmackDown is clearly and has been for some time the A show on WWE uh, programming. No doubt. No doubt about it. By the way, guys, if you want to hear a kind of a retro show, I did a uh, a re-release of a WrestleMania 37 re- a preview show with a couple of old co-hosts. Go check it out. It's about two and a half hours. If you like long-form audio from a show that I did a couple of years ago, check it out. It was in April of 21. So... Uh, WrestleMania 37. So that was SmackDown in a nutshell. More detailed than always. I do read the details of the report. Okay, I, I don't pretend that I don't, but I want to. I think it's it, it's important for me to kind of shift my methodology of reviewing the show instead of just hitting the high points to go into detail about some things because I think that it's important and I, I think that uh, sometimes people need to hear a little bit more detail to to hear what I. I and others have to say. So that was SmackDown. And again, we have a massive Raw coming up this uh, this week. And it's going to be headlined by John Cena. But the other headline is this week on Raw, Lita and Becky Lynch winning the Raw or the women's tag titles with Trish Stratus's help. And this is, you'd imagine, setting up for Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey to face uh, Lita and Becky Lynch. It'd be fun. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. The real story to me is Becky and Ronda when they get in the ring together. That'll be, you know, even though if it's not one-on-one, I guess this is uh, the next best thing. So that was the headline for sure coming out of Monday Night Raw. Cody Rhodes beat Chad Gable. We got Jimmy and Solo defeating the Street Profits. Brock Lesnar accepting MVP's challenge to face Omos at WrestleMania, which was not my thing. I, I don't really understand how people thought this was a good segment. I've heard some big time podcasts you know, call this thing, you know, this segment entertaining and funny, and Brock is just being the good old boy cowboy. I yeah, look, Brock Lesnar is not at his best being funny. You know, Brock Lesnar can be funny, but when he's trying to be funny, usually he's not. Uh, I think the more, the best comedy with Brock happens organically and not planned. But I think Brock Lesnar in this segment and MVP in this segment were not good. Now that not that they didn't try or do as they were d- told to do, and as the, the 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 script said, but like I don't know it when it's WrestleMania time. I don't want Brock being the kind of happy go lucky cowboy. I want him in destruction mode. And sure, it's Omos. A lot of people aren't excited about this. Most people aren't okay. You know, we wanted Bray and Brock, but apparently Brock didn't want to deal with Bray and the hocus pocus that went with it. That's the report, which makes sense. You have Brock Lesnar, who is a, you know, typically when he's in destruction mode, he is one of the best destruction mode uh, human beings of all time. And to have to deal with the hocus pocus of Bray and have to sell the hocus pocus 
it is a bit of a conflict there of Brock's care. He would have to compromise his character in order to face Bray Wyatt. So I get why Brock probably exnayed that. Um, but now we get a less desirable match of Omos. And sure, the size is there. The whole story is the whole story. The entire story is going to be, my God, can Brock F5, the the, uh, the Nigerian giant, can Brock bring uh, bring Omos to Suplex City? That is literally going to be it. That's it. That's the entire story. I just told you it in about five seconds. I told you the entire story in depth, cover to cover, in five seconds. Can Brock pick up the big man? That's it. And to some people, that's enough because seeing him F5 Omos will be a fun thing to watch. But boy, is that superficial. Boy, is that just like, I mean, there's no emotional investment there. It's simply fireworks, as I say. It's kind of, oh, cool. Oh, cool. What's next? What's next? It's not really emotional connection. I mean, this is the opposite of a Sami Zayn Roman Reigns storyline in Montreal, right? That was emotional. You were in it from every move. I mean, every breath of that match was, I still will never forget it. I couldn't imagine it being there from some of the people I talked to. But this is just kind of cool. It's Brock and okay, he's facing a big dude. We've seen this dynamic before many times. Braun Strowman, big show. All right, we've seen this before. Kane, Undertaker, he's dealt with very, very big seven foot plus men before. Okay, if Omas is a, uh, you know, inch or two bigger, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm, it's. I'll try to get into this, but it feels like Brock is becoming irrelevant. That may be overstated. Brock is not being used to his full potential. That's a better way of putting it. Brock is never irrelevant, ever. He couldn't ever be. There's nothing he could do because he's so established as a star. But it just feels like this is certainly not the best use of Brock at Mania at all. I mean, I would have loved to see him face Stone Cold. That, to me, would have been the best matchup was Brock versus Stone Cold. That never happened. That should have happened. That still could happen. Maybe at WrestleMania 40 or something now. Um, But... You know, Brock Rock, I've been clamoring for that for eight years. <laughs> Brock Rock, uh, since, you know, they haven't faced each other since SummerSlam 02. So there's a 21-year gap there. I don't know. There's just things they could do. But uh, I don't know. I'm not saying Rock and Austin were real legitimate offers and they just WWE said, ah, we don't need that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the universe of possibility, I would like that. You know, Brock and Bray, I actually would have enjoyed, I think, more. But, hey, here we are, Omos. Let's make the most of it. Maybe it'll be better than we think. Maybe it will. But this the segment on Raw with the champagne, the, 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 the vodka being spit in the face of Brock comedically, or rather cartoonishly was the word, was awful. I don't like this. I don't like Brock being happy-go-lucky. I don't like the cowboy hat. I never liked the cowboy hat. I never liked the hair. I like tracksuit Brock Lesnar. Keep the beard, but I don't like Brock, the happy-go-lucky Brock Lesnar. I don't. I know some of you do, and that's wonderful. I I, I mean, I mean that. If you enjoy that, that's wonderful. I just think that Brock being the angry kind of could explode at any minute doesn't say a whole lot. Brock is the best version of himself, but that's my personal opinion. Asuka beat Carmella via submission. The Judgment Day cut a promo backstage with Dominic telling his dad he'd be on SmackDown, which obviously he was. Candice beat Piper Niven with a roll-up. Seth Rollins appeared on MTV and hit Miz with a super kick after Miz taunted him about Logan Paul. Rollins then took Miz's phone and called Logan Paul to tell him that he's going to tell him to show up on SmackDown next uh, or uh, on Raw next week. And said bye bye, you know what? Which was probably the best part of the whole thing. Lashley defeated Elias because who who doesn't beat Elias? You know, it would be an interesting match. How would they book this? Elias versus uh, Chad Gable. Maybe they just do a a thirty minute draw, thirty minute Broadway, right? Like <laughs> maybe that's what they do. They book it into a, like a double disqualification because they they didn't they wouldn't know who to have win that match because they're, they're probably going to say Elias versus Chad Gable. Well, we can't have either of them win. Let's just do a double DQ, a double count out. That's probably how they'd book it. But Bobby Lashley wins and we get this, the, the crazy muscle man dance thing, which is catchy, but it's, it shouldn't be entertaining in the way that I'm watching wrestling. Like, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. 
I'm still interested in the Bray Bobby thing, but it's like Bray went right back to who he was, even though he said he was done with that. It's weird. Johnny Gargano beats Otis with one final beat. And I think that pretty much did it. So uh, that is uh, this week in WWE guys, four weeks, four weeks until WrestleMania. That's it. It's going to fly by as it always does. I have no doubt that uh, I'll blink and it's going to be, you know, end of March, early April. But uh, I think I told you this, guys, but I'll be on a bit of a vacation <clears throat> starting March 16th to March 20th. That's a Thursday to a Monday. So what that means is I'm going to still be able to publish stuff. I'm going to be in Florida. So I'm going to be publishing things. I'll bring my laptop with me. I'm not going to be completely, uh, you know, drunk out of my mind the whole time, just about 90% of the time. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, publish anything that my my awesome team sends me. If I can or I need to or I feel the desire, I will be able to record. I will let you know I'm not going to bring my studio mic with me. The mic on my MacBook Pro is studio quality, so the mic is good. But if I do record, it may sound a little echoey, and it's it's just not going to be as good of a quality as you're hearing now. So I'm just giving you that heads up. But again, I have about uh, you know 10 days, 12 days until I leave, whatever it is. But um. I'm just letting you know now that uh, things may be a little bit wacky when it comes to March 16th to March 20th timeframe. I'll try to make it so it's seamless as possible for you if there's big things that happen in between that time, but I wanted to give you a heads up. So that does it for me tonight on the Weekend Review. I hope you guys enjoyed this. You can go ad-free, patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Lots to come there. By the way, if you join the Discord server, or rather you join Patreon, there is a Discord server where it's live all the time. You can chat with all the patrons only for patrons, okay? It's an exclusive invitation. Look at the little club, VIP club there. And you can also go on Apple Podcasts and get a one-week free trial. That's a great way to go ad-free too. So thank you, everybody. WWPodcast.com. Go VIP there if you want ad-free. Tons of ways to go ad-free, guys. If you don't like the ads, easy ways to get rid of them. So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, take care, and I'll talk to you next time. Find the best deals on airline flights. Easy checkout with the latest and most secure payment options. Up to 5% off with a free AC Passport membership. Save more on your next vacation so you can enjoy the vacationing. The best deals on flights. AirlineConsolidator.com Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time